Anybody know him? Elijah prayed for his servant, Lord, open his eyes that he may see that they that are for us are more than they that are against us. We were given a challenge to pray for the leaders, the, the young leaders, for this powerful move of God within the church. The future is not tomorrow, it's today. And the future was in front of us. And some of the future was sitting in the pews or in the, on the seats, and you weren't up front. So there's something for more of you to do. Uh, there's something that is, that's called commitment. But when it comes to young people, uh, they really can't do much more than their parents assist them with. And so I want to challenge the parents uh, this is your child, your youth's opportunity to grow in the Lord and to experience the power of God working through them. There's no substitute for that. You can have them in all the Bible classes and bring them on every Sunday, but until the Lord is working through them. Amen. 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 Somebody know what I'm talking about. Maybe he needs to work through you, but uh, when he works through you, you know for yourself that God is real and that there is nothing that you would not do for him out of your love for him. So we thank the Lord for that. We thank the Lord for all that our ears have heard. Uh, it's good to have one of my spiritual sons and spiritual sons of the church, Brother Godlove, who's in the building. Uh, I absolutely was getting ready to make a trip down to New York. Amen. I hadn't heard from him and I uh, had to use my, my sources to uh, locate him, and he was planning a surprise visit 
and he looks wonderful, looks great. The Lord is using him in New York. Amen. Good to have him. And uh, don't ever miss the opportunity to encourage, encourage our young people uh, that are here and to the ones that are not in this place because there's a great lack of encouragement. And most of our hearts are heavy for the family of Tyreek Nichols this morning. Um, that could have been your son, your daughter. And so we're all grieving uh, that these things are happening in the real world. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes they don't become real to us until that knock comes to our door. But when the least suffers, we all suffer. And the blood of those who are murdered cries out to God, cries out to God. And what breaks the heart of God should break our hearts. And so may we, may we be sensitive for the need for light. People need what we have. The Bible says be ready to give an answer to every man of the reason of the hope that's within us with fearing and trembling. People need Jesus. Amen. We making more money than we've ever made, living better than we've ever lived, more conveniences than we've ever had. But we've never seen this level of wickedness and unconstrained hatred, violence. But our Bible tells us that if God's people who are called by his name would humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, he would hear us in heaven and he would heal. He would heal. I don't believe that God is lying. So the problem isn't with him, it's with us. Let us be a church that is on fire for the Lord. One of the ways that we have seen God move in the midst of this church is that every Monday through Friday, we meet at 6 a.m. for prayer. And the beautiful thing is that the numbers are growing, but more than that, those who are joining us are growing. Oh yes, amen. I hope you felt the love of Christ as you walk through these doors. I hope you sense the unity that has become a part of who we are as you have walked through these doors. And I don't have any doubt in my mind that what God has done to build that bridge of unity is prayer. Nothing great happens without prayer. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, plan to join us for our vision a meeting following service today. You do not want to admit, miss the exciting news that we're going to be sharing and what God is going to be doing in the midst of his people in 2023. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we look at the word of God. Turn to Acts chapter 7, and we're going to look at uh, verse, verses 30 through 33. If you have it, say amen. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight and as he drew near to observe 
the voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the, I am the God of, and Father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. And then in verse 33, then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for the place that you're standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, I have heard in their groaning and have, I've heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, say, and now come. I will send you to Egypt. Egypt, we have an echo, and I think it's the, the monitors. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, and we bless your name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. 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 Amen. 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 It is a blessing to know that God has a word for us today. I want to begin uh, by sharing that we're continuing the series entitled Legacy Now building a bridge to the future through disciples making disciples, building a bridge to the future by making disciples that make disciples. Legacy is basically blessing people beyond the grave, blessing people after you've gone, making your mark for Christ so that generations after generations are receiving the benefit from the life that you live by fulfilling the purpose that God gave you. He was raised in a Christian family. They attended a Bible-believing church. The church that they attended had ministry for all ages. There was something for the entire family. But beyond the surface, this family that looked like the picture-perfect Christian home they had an elder son who resented the fact that he did not have the same freedoms that his peers experienced in their homes. He had to go to church. He didn't get a vote. Even though he attended Christian schools, if it had been his choice, he would have gone to a regular secular public school. He longed for the day when he could finally be rid of his parents' rigid restrictions that robbed him of what he thought was real fun and freedom. Finally, he reached the age where he was old enough to enroll in college, and he was accepted, smart enough to have a fully played scholarship, when he did discovered that he could go to the campus three weeks before classes actually started, he told his parents he didn't want to wait. He wanted to go three weeks early. His father informed him. He said, well, the cafeteria won't be open. You will not have transportation to get to 
grocery stores to purchase food. He said, Dad, don't worry about it. Then this is before Uber and Lyft, but he was going to figure it out. So his parents drove him hundreds of miles away, first time away from home. And his dad gave him enough money to cover his expenses for three weeks. They prayed with him. They shed tears. And then his father, as he was walking out, he gave his son a brand new Bible. He said, son, give me your word that you will read this Bible every day. Son replied, sure, dad, sure, dad, I sure will. When the door closed behind his parents, they could hear a shout of joy from him. They were finally gone. He could make his own decisions. He could finally live. Within a week's time, he had spent all the money that his father had left that should have lasted for three weeks. And so here he is on the campus, hundreds of miles away, hungry, angry with his father for not leaving more money, but too proud to call and ask for help. And in all of the time that he'd been there, he had not even taken the Bible out of his suitcase, let alone read it. So in his frustration with his father, he goes to his suitcase to take the Bible out, and he's going to actually throw it in the trash. And as he's picking the Bible up to throw it in the trash, it opens up, and enough money is in the Bible that not only would have covered the three weeks, but extended beyond what he could even have expected his father to leave. He was angry with his father, but the problem wasn't his father. He was angry with the church and with God, but the problem really wasn't God or the church. The problem was really him. Sometimes what we are frustrated about and pointing our fingers at others to blame about, it's really not them, but it's us. And in the account that we're going to be looking at today, we will discover as it relates to legacy, destiny, purpose, and plans for God for our lives, it's really you, not him, that's holding you up. It's you, not him, holding you up. Now, tell your neighbor, it's you. Come on now, wake up, y'all. It's you, not him. You need to simply spend time in the book to discover your purpose and the call in your life and then walk in the authority of that. I wish I had known this when I was much younger. There's so many choices that I would have made that are different. There are places that I would have gone that I haven't gone and maybe will never go because it was me, it wasn't him. In Acts chapter 7, verses 30 through 33, we're not going to read all the verses again. But the last part of that verse in verse 33 that I want to focus your attention on are these words, now come. Now come. Now the word, this, this, this agitable phrase, now come, 
reveals to us a time frame that has transpired. It takes us back to the previous verses in the chapter. And so when Stephen is sharing with this angry mob who wants to stone him because of his faith in Jesus Christ, Stephen was one of the first of the seven deacons in the church. And he was sharing about sharing the gospel and amen okay mm-hmm I don't know if that's an introduction to a song but we'll go on so the now this this phrase takes us back to what transpired in the, in the history of the nation of Israel that ultimately brought them to the time when Jesus was born. So Stephen is giving them a historical lesson from the scriptures and he refers back to Moses. And so when he says, now come, by the time he says that, in actually in verse 34, 40 years have passed. 40 years, say, oh my. The call of God on Moses' life to do what he ultimately did came long before the noun come, but 40 years. Right now, somebody's 25, just had a birthday. You blink your eye, you'll be 40 years old. Now come. Because of Moses' decision, what could have taken place much sooner in his life required 40 years of hard lessons from the hard knocks of life. 40 years Moses spent on the backside of the Median Desert hiding fearful, ashamed, and regret. And so when, when, we, when we are not walking in alignment to the purpose and the plan of God because of our own personal focuses that are not directed by God, we will find ourselves in dry places. We'll find ourselves depressed. We'll find ourselves aimlessly going around life and life feels like a revolving door. It seems like you're not getting ahead. You're working harder, you're earning more, but you, don't, you have no joy, you have no sense of clear direction. And the reason that that occurs is because of what we're gonna learn from the life of Moses. Moses was one of these people who would have been recognized today. He would have been who's who among his peers. Uh, Moses would have been the guy that would have been chosen least, most likely to succeed. He was the guy that I always said I wanted to be like. You know, when you had the assembly at the end of the year and the same person gets called and it's never you. And I say, next year it'll be me. And then next year it's going to be me for sure. And nothing else for the most uh, congenial, you know, most... Positive. I may not get it for the grades, but I can at least be singled out for my, for my kindness. I never got called forward for those special awards. But in spite of all of his potential, 
Moses spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before he realized God's call on this. I want you to know that everybody that's living in the breakfast, Sunday breakfast mission is not there because they had poor parents. Everybody that you see panhandling in front of Wawa's is not there because their family doesn't love them. The women that you see walking on Route 9 selling themselves are not there because their parents did not love them. I want you to know that the choices that you make regarding God's plan for your life can delay and even cause you to miss out. And so I just want to share uh, three things regarding how it's not him but you. You need, to, you need to hear this. The first thing is that God will delay your destiny because you need to develop. God will delay what you've been praying for, what you think you want, what you think you need, and you just it's just out of your reach. Every time you think you're about to grab it, every time you think it's yours, it just gets pulled back, pulled back, and you still didn't realize that you're 50 now, you're 60 now, you're 30 now, and it's still with, with beyond your reach. God, destiny is waiting for your development. He's waiting for your development. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verse 17, it says, but when the time of the promise drew near, which God has sworn to Abraham, that takes us back to Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, when the Lord said to Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you a great nation, but this great nation is going to spend 400 years in bondage. But but my people are going to be delivered. And so the scripture says that when the time of promise drew near, that God had already begun to do some things that would make what he planned take place. And here's the first principle under God will delay your destiny because you're, you need to develop, is that God's purpose for your life precedes your biological birth. Before you were even born, God had decided what his purpose and plan for you would be. And so Moses had no idea that what he would be delaying by not doing it God's way was actually predetermined for his life by God before he was even conceived in his mother's womb. Just like when you use that GPS, you, you tell the GPS where you want to go. The GPS has pre-plotted pre the directions. You just need to follow the directions. God is our GPS. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, he had plotted a course for our life. We simply need to sink in to God's purpose and direction for our life. Somebody say amen. Before he put Adam and Eve in the garden, before he, before he created Adam and Eve, he made the garden. He created them to fulfill a purpose. If he had created them before the garden, there would be no reason for them to be there. God created you for a purpose. There's a special assignment for you that is specifically for you that if you don't do it, it doesn't get done because that is the reason why God made you. God not only... God's purpose for your life not only precedes your, precedes your biological birth, but he picks the person to fulfill his promise. That he picks the person. And at verse 34, he says, now come, I will send you. I will send you. 
Have you gotten that memo from God regarding his purpose for your life? And as we're going to see, some of us, when I get 21, when I get older, when I'm on my own, maybe this thing that they're talking about in church will come. No, no, no. You don't have to be old for God to turn the switch on for you. He picks the person that he wants to fulfill his promise. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 6, he said, you did not choose me, I chose you. I have chosen you for a purpose that you may bear fruit, and that the fruit that you bear, that the fruit that you bear will remain. Paul put it this way, he said, you are God's workmanship, you are his handiwork, that we were created unto good works, and he preordained them before the foundations of the world. God predetermined your assignment. And he says, now, it's, it, the interesting thing about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, we, have, we are God's chosen handiwork, which means that all Christians have an assignment. Jeremiah was about eight years old when the Lord says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I have appointed you to be a prophet over the nations, and I'm going to place my word in your mouth. And Jeremiah said, I'm just, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm just a youth. I'm not prepared for this. And God says, I will speak through you. You will open your mouth, and I will speak through you. When I heard about Jackson teaching a class, why not? Why do we think young people, why, we, why they got to be 50 years old before they can teach a Bible class? Why not? Kids can do far more than we give them credit and opportunities to do. If we would just uh, trust the Lord. Um, so, so we called Jeremiah a day that was just a youth when he slew Goliath. Daniel was only, when, when, when Joseph got the vision, he was only 15 years old, and God gave him a panoramic vision of what was going to happen. He didn't fully understand it, but it took 15 years before the vision that God gave uh, Joseph in a dream to actually come to pass. Mary was a teenager when the angel Gabriel show, uh, appeared to her and said, you're going to be the woman that will bear and carry the Son of God. Paul was a hating, a Christian persecutor when the Lord called him out of his darkness into the marvelous light and gave Paul his assignment for his life. He knocked Paul off of the horse, and Paul says, who are you, Lord, when the bright light was shining around him? The Lord said, I'm Jesus. I'm the one who you're persecuting, but I have great things for you to do. You're going to preach my word to the Gentiles. You're going to stand before kings, and you're going to suffer great things. But Paul was in sin when the Lord called him. The Lord picks who he wants to fulfill his promise. The, the problem is not him, it's us. Our lack of development will delay God releasing you to your call. I want you to understand that there's nothing more important in your life than to walk in the will of God that he has predetermined. Nothing will give you more joy. Nothing will give you more contentment. Nothing will cause you to be more fulfilled than to know that you are properly aligned to what God has assigned you to do. And that's why the devil wants to distract us. That's why the devil wants us to be chasing things rather than the thoughts that God has for us. He says, I know the thoughts that I have for you. 
We need to seek the mind of God. He chooses the person, the purpose he has for you was predetermined even before the foundations of the earth. Not only that, God will protect you so that you can accomplish your purpose. Moses should have been dead. During the time that Moses was born, Pharaoh gave a decree to abort every male child. Anytime a woman was bringing a boy into the world, he was supposed to be drowned in the Nile. But the midwives believed God's report, and they refused to obey the king. Uh, uh, Moses should have died when he was born, but his mother and his parents, they risked their lives and they hid him for three months until they couldn't hide him anymore. And then finally, in desperation, they put this little baby into a, 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 a small uh, basket and they floated it down the Nile. And as it was floating down the Nile River, uh, one of Moses' sisters uh, uh, was watching where, the, where this little uh, uh, a basket was going to go, and it ended up in the view of Pharaoh's daughter. I want you to understand that you are here because God was protecting his purpose for your life. Some of you, like me, I shouldn't be here. I should be dead. But God watched over me, even when you were in your mother's womb, when you could have been aborted, when you could have died. God was protecting you so that you could fulfill his purpose for your life. God was the one who put compassion in the heart of Pharaoh's daughter who said she would raise the child, but it gets even deeper than that. She said, I don't have, I, I don't have any milk to nurse the child. Can we find the Hebrew mother who birthed the child so that she can wean him and she can feed him and take care of him until he doesn't need to be weaned? And so Moses' mother ends up being able to take care of him and, 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 and as if, he had never left because God will protect if you let him. You see, we, 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 you can, you, the Bible says all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. But the all things that work together involve people and circumstances. You can pray all you want, but if you don't feed people when they're hungry, they will starve. You can pray all you want. If you don't help somebody that's hurting, they will continue to hurt. If you don't step up and do something, our brothers and sisters will continue to be mowed down and murdered in the street. Yes, God will protect what is his own but we have a part the Bible says you are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you but if you defile you keep on eating those chitlins and those, all that fat back and all that fried food talking about you praying over your fried food and your candy yams and your sweet potato pies okay but God said I will destroy the temple that you don't take care of God will protect what he has called but we have a part because it's not him. The purpose is already predetermined. The issue is when are you ready to step into it? When are you ready to allow God to be God in your life in such a way that you will defy the understanding of adults? How does she know that she's only a youth? How can he be so wise? How can he be so confident? Because you are walking in purpose. God will protect God gives the purpose, God picks, but God also prepares his picks. Say he prepares his picks. I like this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, 
in Acts, verse, Acts chapter 7, verse 22. This is a good word. I know it is, so I'm going to get this out. God prepared Moses internally. You see that in Hebrews chapter 11. He prepared him in, internally. And what I mean by that, God, he had a burden for the nation of Israel, even though he was raised in the palace. Moses' passion, Moses had passion in his heart to do something to help them. He felt a, call, a felt a call on his life. Now listen to what verse 25 in chapter 11 says. He chose to be mistreated among, among, along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for his greater reward. That one of the things that God will do when you've been called, he will prepare you internally. What you've been called to, it'll bother you when you see it not being done right. It will hurt you when you see people mistreated. And so even though Moses was raised as a king's kid, he saw the mistreatment, he saw the oppression, he saw the injustices, and it troubled him. What troubles you? Well, I can't pay the bills. What else troubles you? What troubles you about the plight of others? Do you find yourself burdened for those who are lost? Does it cause you to lose sleep when you consider how hard it is for people just to live today? And so when God picks you for an assignment, one of the things that will be true is that you will have a burden for it. You'll have a passion to do something about it. And you'll have the faith that if you do, God will reward you. God will reward you. This is not about impressing people. This is not about being patted on the back. One of the things that I say to people when they join the church, and they say, man, they're not this, they're not that. Whatever God shows you that we're not, he brought you here so that we could be. Because we were lacking it until you got here. God prepared him internally. God also prepared him externally. The Bible says in verse 22 of chapter 7, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of Egypt and powerful in speech and in action. God allowed him to go to the best schools, to get the best training, to eat at the, at the king's table. He was exposed to the absolute best. And God has allowed many of our children, we get them into the best uh, uh, best the most elite schools. We will fight to make sure that they get a place at, at, in these schools and opportunities because we want our children to have the best opportunity to succeed. We move to the nicest homes. We buy the nicest vehicles. They don't wear no Kmart, nothing. Everything is name brand. We want them to do better than we've done. And so God is all about that. Moses is a perfect example of Ivy League schools, but he wasn't getting this training externally so that it would simply benefit him. God wants you to teach your child that I'm exposing you to these opportunities so that you will be a greater tool, a greater instrument, a greater, avail a greater available servant in my hands. We've raised a bunch of selfish people. We're not trying to help nobody. We're just trying to get more for ourselves. And we've gotten more and we're more miserable. And so God will prepare you for your call. But when, so when you think about going to school, it's not just about, oh, I got to go to school. Oh, I got to do this math. No, God is using everything that you're exposed to to prepare you for what he's calling you to do. Don't miss any opportunity. Amen, 
don't minimize the importance of what God is exposing you to external. God will also prepare you spiritually with signs and spiritual gifts, but you have to do your part. Say, I have to do my part. God speaking, he says, so he said, I will certainly be with you, he told Moses. I'm sending you, now go, I'm sending you back to Egypt and I will be with you. And then Moses said, well, you don't know my rap, my rap sheet. You don't understand my reputation. You don't know the stuff that I've done. You don't know the stuff they're saying about me on Facebook. You don't know the stuff that they're saying about me. Then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground so that he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And when Moses saw it, he jumped away. I want you to understand that God, whatever he has purpose for you to do, he's already gifted you to do. He's given you his supernatural presence. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit lives in us and that God has given us everything that we need that pertaineth to godliness. Whatever you need to do to live for God is already in you. It's already in you. It's already in you. Spiritual growth doesn't happen accidentally. You, you, we, go to the, we go to the gym, we working out, we watching what we eat. I ain't eating that now, nah, man. I ain't gonna put that on me. And, and if we had that same kind of discipline and sensitivity when it came to the scriptures, we wouldn't be delaying the call of God on our life. We would not be walking in our flesh, but we would be walking in anointing. We would have some legitimate authority. Would we be able to speak as the very, the, not on the very oracles of God when you talk, when you are aligned to his purpose, so spiritual growth is not accidental. That's why the Bible says make every effort to add to your faith. What are you doing to add to your faith? Well, I had a five-second devotion. Okay, have a five-second breakfast and see how long that lasts you. Just like you dedicate yourself to take care of your physical body, you need to make a greater commitment because the Bible said, what will it profit you if you gain everything the world has to offer, but then you lose your soul? You need to make your commitment to do everything in your power to grow. God prospers us spiritually, but we have to cooperate. We need to work out our own soul salvation. How hungry are you for God? How much desire do you have to be like him? What are you willing to give up to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul? Have you ever made that kind of commitment and, and, and actually walked in it for a day, for a week? I want you to understand when you make the commitment, obviously the devil's going to come against you because he doesn't want you to experience what God, Jesus, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. The devil doesn't want you to experience that. But when you make that decision that, Lord, as for me and my house, I'm going to live for the Lord. When you decide I'm not going to be dissuaded to the right or to the left as a young person, as an elder person, what God will begin to do is to show you things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered. There's some secrets that God wants to whisper to you. So how did you know that God told me? How did you, did, why didn't you go with us? Because God told me not to. Well, why didn't he tell me? Because you don't recognize the voice of God. God prepared him spiritually. Where are you spiritually? You know how we go to our annual checkups and the doctor checks our heart and our vital signs and, oh, you're good, you're good. Oh, you need some pills, you're about to die. 
I guarantee if the doctor tell you about to die, you take those pills. If God would have put you on his examination table and do his supernatural stethoscope and place it at your spiritual pulse, what would your pulse tell God? God prepared him externally, internally. He prepared him spiritually. But also when it comes to developing us, God's plan takes time to activate. God's, God, pl God plans for the time of his purpose to be activated. He says, now come, now come, I send you to Egypt. There's a time and a season for everything. We must seize the moment. We must seize. You can't determine the plan and the timing of it. You just need to be ready to walk in it. That's why the Bible says, pray without ceasing. That's why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He said, be aware for your, your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. Who's, you need to be spiritually alert because that door may open finally for you because you're spiritually prepared to walk into that call on your life. So we don't get to determine that, but God will release it and reveal it to us when you're ready. When you're ready. The question is, are you aware? that you're closer than you think. I want you to understand that when Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me, the night is coming. I don't know when the curtain's gonna be drawn in your life, but what I do know before that light, before that curtain is drawn, God will open up a door because there's a time and a season for the purpose that he has given to you. Are you looking for it? Are you prepared to seize the moment? Because it's appointed unto man once. One of these days, we're going to, God's gonna, we're gonna check out and it's gonna be too late. God's plan, God plans the time to, for your call to be activated. Abraham was 75 when God called him. Sarah was 65. And the Lord said when Abraham, A.B. was uh, 99, by this time next year, your, 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 your woman going to be pregnant. <laughs> and when, when Sarah heard that, she said, is this some, somebody on, what, we say? what kind of, what kind of, she laughed, the Bible says. But at 90 years old, she gave birth to Isaac. I want you to know, amen. I want you young people to realize that you need to be looking for your opportunity for purpose today. I don't know what it is that God is calling you, but wherever you are, you can walk in that purpose. The timing is in God's hand. And it, the, the, he said, I have set before you an open door that no one can close. But there are other doors that you can walk through. The, the, the question is, will you walk through the open door that God has set before you? Now, I want to be clear on this. The door that God opens, there will be opportunities. And in that same pathway, there will be opposition. But Jesus said, be encouraged, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world and we can be in good courage because greater is he who is, I can walk through the open door with full boldness and confidence that what God has called me to, he'll take me through because I can do all things. That's the kind of authority I want to hear young people. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is your testimony? God plans the time. God plans. I remember we had our children in the summer camp, and the uh, director, we had no idea what was going on. They planned a full play where they had dancing and singing 
and, and quoting. And I'm like, you going to see these kids, they jumping over chairs. And they, I'm like, that's my son? That's my daughter? I had no idea of the potential that was in my children. I just needed to expose them. And the opportunity, they went through that open door, and to this day, all of them have talents, all of them can write, all of them sing. I know what their, what their, what their gifts are, but it was because they were exposed. So God will delay your destiny while he develops you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. You throwing stuff, you frustrated. It's you. Let me share a second thing. God doesn't adjust his plans for your personal agenda. He will not adjust his plan for your agenda. I used to do that. I have all these goals and all these visions, and I said, okay, God, bless my mess. I didn't say, it wasn't mess to me. <laughs> God is not obligated to follow your agenda. God is not obligated to be tenth on you. He's not going to be tenth on your priority list. I hear Jesus say, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God ought to be your priority. Oh, when, we, when God is our priority, we will be humble. When God is our priority, we will want to please him more than we want to please our flesh. Oh, I know it's quiet today. But that's all right. That's all right. God doesn't adjust his schedule. Now, watch this. Moses, watch the progression here. This begins in verse 23 of chapter 7 in Acts. It says, and seeing one of them suffering wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed. He killed the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. That's a problem. God never needs us. He thought that God was going to deliver by his hand, but they did not understand. Moses had an agenda. He saw one of his uh, Israelite brothers being beaten by an Egyptian, and so he decided, I'll handle this. Now, watch the progression here. In the scriptures, it says, when Moses was 40, he decided to visit his people. You don't see nothing about prayer, nothing about fasting, nothing about concern. He had this burden. He had this passion. He didn't pray about it. He decided what he was going to do. Start right there. When it comes to your purpose and plan and God's destiny for you, it's not your decision. Your, your job is to come in line with alignment with what he has already decided. Stay with me. When he decided to go into the hood or go where his brothers were, were living, he saw something, and it bothered him. I want you to know that there's some things that you shouldn't see and wouldn't see if you don't make your mind up to do what you shouldn't be doing. You remember yesterday when, I, when they were talking about Tyree Nichols, they were going to show the video of what these police officers did, and they said, beware, what we're about to show you is graphic, and some of you may have, find this very difficult to watch. And what they're warning us is there's some things that you can't unsee. You just, you see it and then you, it's there. And so then you had a decision to make. Am I going to see this? Can I handle this? Now, what I saw, it caused my soul to just cringe to watch those men beat that man, beat that 29-year-old same age as my youngest son. 
I cringed in my spirit. I just, it was unimaginable. Sitting up the side of the car and shining the black, bright flashlight in his face and just no, no medical care. Just, but what broke my heart, what made me cry is when that mother found out that her boy was calling her name. She said, I didn't know what was happening. She said, but I was in the kitchen and my stomach just started hurting. And she said, I went in and I told my husband and I said, my stomach is, I've never had this kind of pain in my stomach. I don't know why it's hurting like that. What was hurting, it was her womb. Her baby was being killed. She had no idea. Something about the connection between a mother and a child. She knew. She knew. But there's some things that you can't unsee. There's some things that we, that God, until you're spiritually mature enough, that you, you, you don't need to see. Because what happens when you see what you're not prepared to see is that you will take the wrong action. Moses decided to go to the, to the Israel and his brother's defense and he killed somebody, he murdered somebody. Everybody in jail didn't intend to kill somebody. They saw what they shouldn't have seen. They decided a decision that they weren't prepared to make. And when you're not prepared to make a decision and you cause to see what you shouldn't see, you're going to choose bad actions. Everybody that's strung out on drugs never, never thought that they would be. They saw, some, they saw a friend. They decided to try it. And then the actions that they took didn't lead them to murder, but they basically started a life of destruction of alcoholism, uh, sex addiction, self-hatred, self-mutilation. God will not adapt his, his, his agenda to ours. Moses said, I, they know, they, they will know when I do this, when I, when I take these actions, they're going to understand that God has chosen me. No, 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 that's your agenda. That's not how God was working this out. Is your agenda God's? It's how you're mapping out your life. When you, when you made your goals for the year, where, where was God on your list? Where's, where's God on your list? He saw what he shouldn't saw, and so he took actions in the flesh, and then he came to the wrong conclusion. They will know that I'm the deliverer. No, no, no. When you make your own decisions and see stuff you shouldn't see, you'll do wrong things, and then you're going to make conclusions. They don't like me. They the, the, the God is not going to, he helps others, but he don't help me. It's never going to happen for me. I might as well go get me a husband. I'm not going to wait. I know they say uh, abstain and, 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 and fornication and be, you know, keep your body. Into, I know they say all that, but that don't work. You're going to draw the wrong conclusion. God will not, will not submit himself to our agenda. And so Moses, going by his own agenda, delayed the door of opportunity for ministry for 40 years. Sometimes I go home, so you see some of my friends that I grew up with, they're still on the corner, still talking about what they're going to do when they grow up. Near 70 years old. <laughs> We need to, to, to come honestly before the Lord and say, Lord, here is my life that you have given me. You placed me on this planet for a purpose. Would you reveal to me? And something, and here's, what, here's how that works. He's going to show you the clear before he will show you the mystery. And by clear, I mean he's going to tell you to do what's already expected, the average, the low shelf. And the question is, will you obey God's low shelf requirement? 
before he will trust you with a higher, higher revelation. Somebody say amen. Let me finish with this. God will reveal and release his purpose for your life when you are spiritually mature to, enough to handle it. He will release. The purpose for your life is predetermined by God, but it's delayed because of lack of development. God's plans will not adjust to your agenda, but finally, he will release the pur his purpose when you're spiritually mature enough. Some of us are going to go to heaven and we have never lived in the center of the will of God for, our, for the call of his, for his call on our life. We'd have just gone through the motions. We'd have never acquired those things where the Lord will say, when we're standing before him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He's going to say that to people who have completed the assignment that he gave. One, he gave five. The other, he gave two. And the other, he gave one. The assignment is what will determine if you hear God say, well done. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let me finish with this. What did God do to let Moses know that he was ready to be released? What will God do in your life to let you know when you're ready? I'm glad you asked. He stripped Moses of his pride in his privileges, his power, and possessions. Whatever you are trusting in that qualifies you. I got my degree. I came from this kind of family. Uh, look how good I look. Look how smart I am. Look at who I've known. Look at where I trust. He stripped Moses of all of those things and put him on the backside of the desert for 40 years with nothing but stinky, smelly sheep. That's what Moses' job. He had, he had training to be the next pharaoh, and here he is, pharaohing over sheep. So the first thing that God is going to do to show you when you're ready is when he, when he strips you of your pride. One of the hardest things in human, every sin, every sin that you'll ever commit is birthed out of pride. Every sin. And sometimes we can see it more clearly in others than ourselves because that's our problem. Before God is going to reveal his will to you, you need to be humble. You need to be humbled. Let me, let me go on. That's a sermon by itself. He showed Moses signs. This is another thing. God will show you signs. And the angel of the Lord uh, uh, appeared in the flame of a fire. And so he saw the burning bush. He saw the burning bush. I believe what God will do when he is calling you, he will show you and people will confirm. And you keep hearing the same thing over and over again. You keep, sometimes you'll see something. So I did that before, but you never did it before. But you saw it in a dream and God will bring it to play. And so he will show you signs. This is the direction I want you to go with in your life. He also spoke to Moses. A sign without speaking is confusion. Bible says, and he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When you are ready, God will direct, will direct you. He will speak to you through his word. That's why you need to spend time in his word. Every day, hearing the word of God, just hearing the word of God. So he spoke to Moses. He showed him signs, and then he scared Moses. The Bible says when he saw the burning bush and he heard the Lord speak, and he said, take off those shoes from the ground that you've been walking on for 40 years. This dirty ground is now holy ground. The Bible said he trembled. Before you can serve God, you need to stay in his face on your, fa on your face. You need to worship before you can serve. And so one of, when you're ready, one of the things that will be changing in your life is your quality of worship. How much time are you spending in the face of God? And so the Lord said, Moses, take off your shoes. And he became more reverential of God. How much do you fear God? 
your fear of God will grow. He scared Moses. And then once Moses was stripped, once he was scared, once he had signs, once God spoke to him after he saw the sign, then God sent him. He sent him back to the place that he had fled 40 years. God is not going to change the assignment. You can run from it like Jonah, but he's going to send you right back to where he purposed you to be in the first place. So when you're ready, you're ready, you will be humble. Let me run on. Let me run on. Now, how will you know when it's him and it's not you? One of the things that will be true is that you will acknowledge your inadequacies. When the Lord spoke to Moses, he said, I'm sending you. And Moses said, who am I? This was the same guy that, that just 40 years earlier told, they're going to know it's me. They're going to know I'm the deliverer. Now he's saying, who am I? I, I'm, I have a speech impediment. I have a criminal record. I'm old. They're going to know my record. One of the things that will be true when you're ready, you will acknowledge your inadequacies. And God will not disagree. But we also accept God's sufficient. God is sufficient. That Paul says that God, whatever we lack, the Lord has. So when I acknowledge that I'm inadequate, Paul says that the strength of Christ is perfected in my weaknesses. So while I don't have it, God does. And I'm, I, I, I love being before you because one of the things that happens is when I get out of the way, my inadequacies are overcome when I surrender by the sufficiency of Jesus. I have no competence of my own. I have no authority of my own. I have no favor of my own. Whatever the Lord uses from this pulpit to bless you, it's from him. Then accept, this, let, accept God's sufficiency, but allow God to use you in spite of you. The Bible says that after Moses made all these complaints, he returned. Allow God, yeah, I'm inadequate, Lord. Yeah, I'm scared. Lord, I, I've never tried this before. I've never lasted this long before. But if you tell me to go back, I'm going back. Allow God to use you in spite of your, your weaknesses. And here's the last thing. Activate the power of God. God said to Moses, when you get, stand with me. He says, when you get to Egypt, I want you to throw this rod down in front of Pharaoh and the rod will turn into a serpent. And you all know the story. But if Moses had not activated the power of God, the rod would have never turned into a serpent. If you don't allow the Spirit of God to work in you, the power of God will never be released through you. It's not just enough to know that God wants to use you to do great and mighty things. We have to get out of the way. We have to get out of the way. It's not him. It's you. There were three men who were stranded on a deserted island. One was a general in the, in the army. The other was a captain. Third man was a private. The general was walking on the beach one day, and he saw a, a, he saw a lantern. And he picked it up and he began to just wipe the sand off of it. And out of the lantern came the genie of the lamp. lamp, lamp the genie said, I am the genie of the lamp and I have three wishes that I can grant. And he said, well, I have two other friends so you can grant me a wish. And grant. So the three soldiers got together and the first man was a general and he said, my wish, I'm from California, I miss my family. 
I miss my loved ones. I want to return to California as a millionaire. And instantly he disappeared. He's back in California. The captain seeing this said, oh, okay. I'm from Connecticut. I miss my peeps too. I want to go back to Connecticut. I want to be with my friends. And so send me back as a millionaire. Instantly he was gone and he was back in Connecticut. Then it was the private's turn. The private had never had to make such a difficult decision. He depended on the general and the captain. And so he thought long and hard. He said, I've never had to make this tough decision. He said, yeah, I've been on this island for a long time. And man, it's going to be so lonely without the captain and the general. And man, I don't want to be alone. I wish that the captain and the general would return and be with me on the island. <laughs> and instantly, <laughs> when it's you, you're not going to think about how your life affects other people. When it's you, you're going to try to be in control of stuff. When it's you, it's got to be your way and nobody else's way. When it's you, you will never think of the possibilities of what God will do supernaturally if you just get out of the way. We don't need a genie of the lamp. We need the Bible the God of the Bible who has already determined, I have a purpose for you and I want to reveal that plan wherever you are at this time in your life. I'm not telling you when the, when the door will open, but if you keep walking and obedient to me, the door will open and the greater possibilities of you reaching your potential will occur as you are doing what the word of God says. Are you willing to walk in purpose? Are you willing to walk in spiritual authority? Are you sick and tired of routine? Are you sick and tired of trying to make yourself happy and get to that next level? No, the next level is, Lord, I am going to surrender. Surrender to you so that you will activate your divine power in my life. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. As we stand before the Lord, I know that that was a word from the Lord. Somebody here today is on the precipice in their life of delaying a call on their life from God. What you should be walking in today may be postponed for 40 years because the door is open for you now. You may be waiting for somebody else to change or someone to give you permission. You don't need permission to do what God has already told you to do. You need to just need to be obedient. Well, you can say, uh, I don't have an education. I don't have this. What did God leave you with? And if you release what you have left to God, supernatural things will happen. Moses was 80 years old by the time he went back to Egypt. And God gave him 40 more years. He didn't die until he was 120. And so you're not too old to walk in God's purpose for your life. God is not finished with you yet. Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to trust him? With every head bowed and all eyes closed, Maybe you're here today and God has spoken to you. The Bible says that the moment that you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart. For today is the day of salvation. 
That is the first step towards realizing the purpose of God for your life is to trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Are you here today and you've not made that decision to fully surrender to him for the forgiveness of your sins? It's personal. If God is speaking to you to say yes to Jesus as your Savior, Lord, would you raise your hand right now? Church, pray. Amen. I see that hand. Is there another? Is God, I'm going to ask the brother to come forward. Would you come forward if you raise your hand for salvation? Or if you raise your hand for church membership? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there another? Hallelujah. 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 Is there one? Before he goes, I just want to pray over this brother. Is there another? Is there another? Let's pray over this brother. Is there another? This may be your last time. 